eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome in. Uh, welcome back for another week of college football goodness. Uh, this is the full 10 Yards College Podcast. Max and I are back for another week, another week behind the mic. Um, we're going to give you some bold predictions for the rest of the college football season. Maxwell, I'll bring you in. Have you got your hot takes ready, sir? Oh, yes. Ready to go. <laughs> Excellent. Um, just before we get started, I just want to make a quick apology to everyone for last week's pod because my sound quality was not very good. Um, hopefully, we've got that sorted. I have no idea why it went like that. It's never happened before. But yeah, just sorry if you kind of listened last week and it wasn't, wasn't the best. Uh, so yeah, let's get into it. Uh, before we uh, dish out the spicy stuff, we're going to have a look at last weekend's action. We're going to look back at the big games and of course we're going to look at that terrible injury that we saw to Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa and the impact of that moving forward. Um, after our bowl predictions, we'll finish off the podcast in the usual manner. We'll be looking forward to next week and give you our games of the week. So let's get on to it. It's time to take a review. Previous play is under review. So the only place to start, Maxwell, on Saturday evening, uh, Alabama obviously up big against Mississippi State, uh, coming to the end of the first half, two was trying to escape pressure, and obviously the unfortunate happened, suffered sort of a terrible injury. Obviously we've seen that it's a dislocated hip, fracture to one of the walls in the pelvis, pretty serious. Um, you know, the operation's gone well. <clears throat> Let's talk about that to begin with. Let's try and dissect it. Firstly, how do you think this is going to affect Alabama going forward? Yeah, I mean, you can't. We can't ignore um, how important this could potentially be to the college football season. Um, obviously, uh, an amazing player and mm. such a shame. Um, you know, they do have um, a good backup there, yes. as always. Um, how good he is and how ready he is for a run at the playoffs or or whatever it may be is is going to be difficult. I think the, one of the big fortunate things is that. They got a pretty easy game this week, which is um, yeah. nice playing Western Carolina. Um, Usual penultimate week, uh, the regular season cupcake for all the big teams this week. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And if anyone, bonus points for anyone could name their um, the the mascot, it's the Catamounts, Western Carolina Catamounts, which okay. I've never heard before. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not one that's been repeated. No, no, but it will be a nice warm up for what will be. Mm. I thought they were going to smash Auburn to be honest but now that's a game where they could lose and they're already probably not going to go to the championship game so um, yeah I think it's going to really hurt their season do I think they'll win out probably Um, do I think they'll make the playoffs now Um, probably not Mm. Um, because I think they really needed a dominant performance versus Auburn and I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that yeah, no, I, I think we mentioned it last week, didn't we? That that's, I think I was saying that it's a kind of pressurised game, obviously, given that the rivalry between Auburn and Alabama and being the last game of the season, Alabama probably entering that game ranked fifth. And yeah, like you say, we now needing a dominant, dominant performance. Does this kind of, yeah. obviously, we saw Mac Harris, uh, sorry, Mac Harris, Mac Jones, sorry, mixing up Najee Harris, who I'm going to mention in a moment. <laughs> yeah. um, we saw Mac Jones against uh, Arkansas and he played pretty well. Do you think it becomes a Najee Harris offence or do you think Mark, Mac Jones can kind of execute to a decent level? Well, in some ways, it already is an Najee Harris offense. Like mm. from the second half um, against LSU, obviously there was those couple of deep bombs to uh, Devon Smith, um, but the the engine of that offense really in the last couple of weeks has been Najee Harris. So I don't think that changes. I think they probably do 
less of the um, deep over the middle passing stuff, which they do usually to Jerry Judy. So mm-hmm. may, maybe we see Henry Ruggs and uh, Smith get more targets because um, just because not because he's not a good quarterback, but he's not as used to the system yet. Yeah, sure, sure. Mm. Um, you know, we'll probably see more underneath screens and quick passes. Um, but I do think they'll still throw the ball. But um, but yeah, uh, fundamentally, they work best when they run the ball well. Mm. Yeah, and they always have done, isn't it, with Alabama? Yeah, exactly. So let's talk uh, with the effects of this moving forward with Tua with regards to the draft. Now, I'll sort of go first on this one. I think Tua still comes out. I don't think he's got anything to prove at Alabama or the collegiate level now. I know, obviously, he's probably not going to play next season because of his injury. Obviously, he's got a long recovery time. But he's not going to play for Alabama either. And I still think uh, he'll be wanted by a lot of teams. How do you think this will affect him? Do you think he'll still come out? How do you think it will sort of affect the draft stock and things like that? I think if the confirmation is correct that he won't be playing next season, then I can't see why he wouldn't come out now. Mm-hmm. Because a, another year, more time apart from it, is probably only going to hurt him more. Um, so right now, at least, I think his best chance for him to get drafted at a highest position is this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a sad situation for him as a whole. Um, let's see what he ends up doing, but I would be surprised if he didn't come out this year. Um, the only reason I think he wouldn't do that is if he was fit and healthy for next season. Yeah, true. And I don't think I think that's by all accounts. Obviously, it's still very early days. Obviously, on the end of operation yesterday, but early indications are that he's not going to be ready for next season. And like you say, Correct. I think he can uh, spend his time with a playbook and with his teammates and things like that, learning the offense mentally at least for his new mm-hmm. team. That's well. That's time well spent. And obviously, I think reports coming out about insurance and things like that. And he's not going to be sort of hit financially because he's got this insurance that if he drops in the draft through injury, so it's not as though that kind of has an effect on it either. I don't think. But we'll kind of save that because I think that's part of one of my takes. That I'm going to come onto a little mm. bit later on. Um, let's move on to the games. Move away from the injury. Move on to some football. Um, we'll stay in the SEC though. And let's start with uh, Auburn, who we just mentioned, and Georgia, who. You know, they had a bit of a defensive battle on the weekend. It was a good game. Um, I thought it was a tough game. It was nice to see some defensive football. I'm definitely a big advocate of that. I thought both teams found it quite tough to move the ball at times. Auburn was held at scoreless until the fourth quarter. But Georgia's defence looked really strong. And one person that really showed out in this game for me was Derek Brown. Now, I've got to be honest, when I was yeah. scouting Derek Brown in summer, and I'll hold my hands up to this one, I didn't see it. But <laughs> Derek Brown has been a force every time I've watched him since. Uh, so I've got to hold my hands up and say, yeah, Derek Brown's rocket up my board in, in the season. He's so quick and so disruptive, isn't he? He's one of those players that I think just at the next level, they'll probably go a little bit unnoticed in the stat sheets because he'll take attention away and make it easier for those around him. Um, how do you see Derek Brown? How do you see this game? Yeah, I think um, I think Derek Brown obviously is a big shout because it was kind of his coming out party a little bit. Now, I think you could say the first half as LSU was a bit like that as well, but... The one thing that he's shown now multiple occasions is big moments in the season. He can step up and be um, pretty dominant in the middle, not just as a run stuffer, but as a pass rusher as well. Yeah, sure. Um, he is looks a bit like a um, man amongst boys there, and um, certainly a first round talent. Um, some yes. people have got him as high as a top ten pick. Mm. Um, 
I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's more to do with other players, whether or not he'll fall there. But he's certainly one of those blue chip guys who could step into an NFL team and start tomorrow. So um, great game for him, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a good showing from Auburn in general. I think more impressively, it was the Georgia defense. They have yes. really gone from strength to strength. Um, I'm not Bonix's biggest fan, but to hold the Auburn rush game to two yards a carry is madness. I can't remember. Yeah. That. yeah. When was the last time we saw that from a Malzahn? Yeah. Just Malzahn. Like, really, really uh, unusual. Um, and they looked um, really strict in that front seven. Um, so, uh, yeah, they'll be a great, should be a great game if they um, keep winning out and go to the SEC Championship game. Yeah, it's going to be kind of, I mean, we're, we're speaking maybe a bit prematurely, but we're kind of assuming that it's going to be LSU versus Georgia in the SEC Championship game. It should be a good yeah. battle between the LSU offense and the Georgia D. Yeah, I think people are saying that Texas A&M are not going to be easy for Georgia this week. Sure. I do agree with that. Um, but I can't see them scoring more than you know 15 points um, because that uh, Texas A&M offense is certainly no better than the Auburn offense. So, um, yeah, dominant. In some ways, uh, off the back of a kind of up-and-down year, this might be one of their most dominant defensive seasons, including mm. uh, since Kirby Smart's been there, you know, including the, the championship year. Um, really, really, really dominant performance. And um, it helps that they've got Dondre Swift running the ball, gliding mm. through the defenders at the other side of the, of the ball. So um, they look really strong right now. And to be honest, it could have been more points as well, really. It could. Yeah, definitely. And just to sort of add on to what you've said, I think, to add Jake from into the mix where he's not going to make mistakes. Obviously he's not the flashiest quarterback in the world, but he's not going to put his defense under pressure by making errors no. and giving the ball away. So it kind of all works for Georgia and yeah, they're kind of ticking along quite nicely there. And like you say, should, mm. should have another win against Tamu in the, in the next weekend. Yeah. He, yeah. He always seems to do it every week, doesn't he? Mm. He only threw a hundred yards, but got three <laughs> touchdowns out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's quite yeah. a bizarre stat line, wasn't it? 110 yards, three uh, touchdowns. But yeah, it's what he does, isn't it? He just does enough uh, every game, it seems. Every game, yeah. Let's move on to the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, this one uh, we mentioned, I think, at the end of last week's podcast, Minnesota versus Iowa. Proper college football game. Big Ten football, it's finest. Two physical teams kind of facing off. Obviously, Minnesota were unbeaten. Uh, and Iowa, kind of the awkward opponent, and they took, took a shock in this one, didn't they? How did you see this one? Uh, it was it was not what was expected. Um, to be honest, I didn't even watch the game live because I was thinking Iowa have had a really good um, defensive year in a lot of ways. But I figured that Minnesota would be able to, um, to be able to put some points up. And they threw the ball really well, actually, mm. again. I mean, every single week, Tanner Morgan seems to be throwing it around. Um, yeah, Bateman Johnson, and Johnson are having yeah. great games and great seasons. Exactly, yeah. Over the past two weeks, they've, they've gathered... Um, I think it's 300 yards each in two weeks, mm-hmm. um, which is unbelievable. Uh, but they just couldn't they couldn't get it away. You know, um, Iowa's defense is um, ball hawking. They've got a lot of guys who are, you know, literally watching the quarterback every play. They, don't, <laughs> they run a lot of zone defense. And um, just they kept getting to the end zone and couldn't, couldn't put it away at Minnesota. They had a missed field goal. They had a turnover on downs and they had an interception. Uh, they also had a drive that ended the first half, which mm. they didn't score on. So that's four drives where they just gave away points, basically. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. Another day, I think they could have beaten Iowa comfortably. Um, but 
Iowa's defense in the red zone was excellent. Yes. And I think that showed the limitations of Minnesota. We've seen a strong running game all year, but it just wasn't an elite running game when it came down to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what I saw of this, I didn't watch it live a bit like yourself. Um, just caught up with this over the last couple of days. I thought Iowa just looked a bit more physical. I think they had a bit more sound tackling. Like you say, Minnesota, they sustained their drives longer, accumulated more yards. And statistically, they were superior in most major categories. But when it came down to like execution, and like you say, when it mattered, they got the turnover. And uh, yeah, I just thought um, yeah, they held Minnesota to field goals early on. And like you say, that red zone defense just showed out. And I think they just sort of ground it out, to be honest with you, like a typical sort of Big Ten Iowa performance. That's where I saw it. Yeah, it was it was their best performance of the year. And off the mm. back of the Wisconsin game when they couldn't slow down Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, Rodney Smith is an excellent running back. And I think it, the offensive line isn't bad either. I think it really showed how good Jonathan Taylor is this game for me more than anything. Yeah, sure. Because um, he was making plays. Uh, Rodney Smith wasn't. No, yeah, exactly. Let's move on. Let's move on to the Big 12. Obviously, we saw, we um, sorry, we mentioned this last week again. Baylor, as they welcomed Oklahoma to Waco. Uh, you're our Big 12 guy. How do you see this one? I guess it's kind of a case of never betting against Jalen Hurts, no matter what. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, it was heartbreaking for Baylor, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. Yeah, uh, definitely. It, it was heartbreaking. So I'm not sure what, what the exact point was. What was it, 21 points up at halftime? That's right, or? yeah. Yeah, and Baylor's offense. I mean, Baylor's offense has not been good all year. And the reason that I thought that they would lose is because Charlie Brewer wouldn't play well. But Charlie, Charlie Brewer, Brewer did play well. Oh, yeah, best game of the season. Um, they were absolutely soaring. Um, the first half I, was kind of perfect, really, wasn't it? <laughs> In every yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And and they even gave away, again, they gave away points at the end of the first half. Um, uh, they had a turnover and downs right at the end of the half. And it's mm. just like, uh, realistically, they could have been even more points up. Uh, but then, by the end of the game, um, Oklahoma could have won by more points. Like it was, it was that second half performance and the leaning on the run is the thing that I wish they'd have done versus Kansas State. Yeah, sure. You know, the, I think they really learned from that loss, and it's such a shame we're not going to get to see Oklahoma in the playoffs because they, I think, have got it figured out now. That that the way they just lent on the run, that mm. is what they're special at. And I know he, he he threw however many, four or five touchdowns with it, the Jen Hurt threw in the end. Um, but they ran the ball 50 times. And yeah. that is the difference with the Lincoln <laughs> offense. Yes, yeah. especially when you, you've got Hurts and um, <sighs> yeah. I can't think of that one blanking on their running back's name. Uh, Brooks. Uh, yes, Brooks. Kennedy Brooks. Um, yes. Kennedy Brooks, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously it wasn't all rosy, but obviously fumbled three times, was it, and threw a pick. Uh, so it was pretty ugly, but like you say, then brought it back, learned on the running game, brought it back. And like you say, I think I was tweeting to someone else in a bit of a conversation about the uh, the college football playoffs and things like that. All Oklahoma must be kicking themselves because they would be mm. ranked number four. I think we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Comfortably. I think yeah. they'd be above Clemson, to be honest, if they were still um, score. If they, if they won every game, I think they'd be mm. ranked above Clemson. Because um, you know they've beaten a couple of good teams now. Um, yeah, yeah. Because obviously Baylor unbeaten. Of and, yeah, bit of a shame. Yeah. Obviously, we were we were mentioning when we kind of wanted. I was saying that wanted the the playoff committee to have that big real headache of Baylor going undefeated. But you know, it's good to show out. It's good. It's still a great story. Um, you know, Charlie Brewer playing well. Matt Rule obviously having a great year. Denzel Mims looked every bit of NFL wide receiver on the on the weekend. So, you know, nonetheless, it's still a great season for Baylor. There's some Denzel Mims uh, draft buzz now. 
after mm. that game. I think it's the first time he's played against really good opposition and, you know, two touchdowns. Uh, I know he didn't get too many grabs, but he did look good. But there's quite a few people I've seen now on uh, Twitter and also a couple of articles say that he could be a bit of a bit of a sleeper. Yeah, sure. No, I've, I've seen the same things, to be honest with you. Um, it's a player that has kind of been bubbling under. He's never really been mentioned in the maybe even not even in the top two tiers of wide receivers, but yeah, recently, especially with Baylor's great season and kind of being a part of their offense and probably their star on offense. And yeah, he's definitely sort of rising up the rankings and getting some buzz. So yeah, nice to see for him. Such a strong wide receiver class this year. Yeah. It's going to be brilliant to break it all down because you've got guys like we were talking about Michael Pittman this week at USC who might not be in the top 10 wide receivers, but he's (laughs) clearly wonderful, like a brilliant player. It's really interesting year. Mm. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think what I mentioned in our group chat when we were talking about Michael Pittman, I think mm. I need to have a little bit of a deeper dive. Obviously, I've just finished my Jacob uh, Ethan article, put that out last week. Maybe Michael Pittman will be next on my hit list to sort of view in the Pac-12, I would say. Um, elsewhere, yeah. let's just finish off this roundup of the week's game. So, obviously, big wins for Ohio State um, against Rutgers. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Utah and Oregon continued their march towards each other in the Pac-12 Championship with wins against Arizona and UCLA. Pretty hefty wins at that. And then uh, two teams that we mentioned um, kind of wanted to avoid upsets, Michigan and Notre Dame. And they beat Michigan State and, no- and Navy, respectively. And, like I say, avoiding two potential upsets um anything else that stood out to you this week um nothing no no, nothing else really i think um yeah uh, the baylor oklahoma one for me was one of the the big ones big takeaways so so yeah and i suppose the only other thing to mention is in that alabama game as well um you know two had a terrible injury but also Mm. the safety for mississippi state cj morgan um had an awful injury which was so bad the cameras they they wouldn't show it on the telecast because apparently yeah. it was such a gruesome injury. But um, <clears throat> let's touch wood, he's going to be better because CJ Morgan was going to be one of my juniors to watch out for next year because I think he's extremely talented safety who I was picking as a guy who's going to be a future NFL star. So okay. um, hopefully uh, he gets all healthy after his um, bad injury. Yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed for him. Obviously, fingers crossed for everyone who sort of sustained injuries over the weekend and the season. Hopefully they come back stronger next year. Uh, cool. Let's, uh, let's bring on the boldness then. Uh, so yeah, for bold predictions, uh, obviously just to, for everyone to sort of know, we haven't discussed our bold predictions with each other. So if there's any overlap or anything like that, that's why. So just a quick bit of housekeeping there. Yeah, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to adjust on the fly, make some yeah. audibles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Why don't you kick us off then? Okay, well, let's, I'm going to get bolder as we go on. Okay. Um, but to begin with, I'll start with a relatively uh, tame one, which is um, I think that Watching the last couple of weeks uh, and seeing how this Michigan defense is rolling, um, I think that, I, although I can't say Michigan going to beat Ohio State, I think that it's going to be a game where Ohio State get away with it by the skin of their teeth. Oh, okay. Because the Michigan defense are going to shut down Justin Fields, cause him his first problems of the year, and they're going to make them look so human that I mm. actually think it's going to drop them uh, down the rankings. So to three to number four. Oh, wow, so okay. I believe 
about, and, and, and I'm just tearing myself up because my new number three I'm going to talk about in my next bold take. But my okay. bold take is that Michigan's defense does so much harm to Ohio State's offense that even though Ohio State are going to win the game, they'll drop to ranking number four. Oh, wow. It's going to be really close then in your mind. We're talking yeah, like a few yeah. points, a score, field goal. I just think the, the thing is with Michigan, they've got a lot of heat because of how bad they played in that Wisconsin game. Mm-hmm. But they really did play bad. I don't think they're a bad team. Since the Penn State loss, they were, go, they were previously had, they were given up 2.6 touchdowns a game. They've, in the past three games, they've only given up one touchdown a game. They were also given up nearly five yards of play in the last three weeks versus good opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, they've only given up three yards of play. So they've got like 50% better. Um, their defense has just come to play. And last year, Don Brown gave up 60 points to Ohio State. And Don Brown is one of the best defensive coordinators in recent college football history. Mm-hmm. And he will not be burnt twice. They will <laughs> run a lot more zone mm-hmm. coverage. They're going to give Justin Fields some problems. And uh, he's got a famous philosophy, which is aggression solves your problems. Yes. And we're going to see a, a hell of a lot of aggression, I think, this week. <laughs> we're going to see an angry... Or it's not this week, actually. I think it's next week. Final but, week, yeah. Yeah, final week of the season. But I think we're going to see a very game Michigan side. I don't think they're going to win just because Ohio State is so talented. Um, but, uh, yeah, Justin Fields is going to look human. And they're going to drop to fourth in the rankings. Cool. No, I like it. I mean, it's going to be something that's been leveled at Ohio State all year, that they've not really played anyone, not really been under much pressure. And it's going to kind of be a good thing for us, I think, as viewers and as fans to kind of see that, I guess. And I guess you can kind of double down on that and say it's a bad thing on the other hand of it and say it's kind of maybe laying out a blueprint to those teams that will face them in the college football playoff and you know maybe make them look a bit beatable when they've not really looked that, like that throughout the season, yeah. I would say. Yeah. So yeah, no, I like it. It's uh, yeah, I think it's quite a bold one, especially it's not in the answer four. But that you know, that's what the drama we want to see. I guess we don't want to see because kind of, the top three is kind of locked in, isn't it? At the moment, almost locked in all four. I guess if it feels like that in a way, but um, but yeah, I think there'll be some still some storylines to talk about, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and I think although I'm not going as bold as to say they're going to win, um, <laughs> you know, I, I I think that we'll get a really good game there where I think some people have already called it an easy W. Sure. Yeah, no. I mean, I think it'll probably be our game of the week on next week's pod when we look towards the last game of the season. So, yeah, all that thought. And, uh, yeah, let's have a look at that in a couple of weeks' time. Prediction number one for me, um, I guess it's not the most bold of takes, but um, obviously given what's happened, um, I'm going to roll them with it anyway. Obviously, I'm going to talk about Tua here, and I think he still goes in round one. I think he comes out, as we mentioned earlier, sort of went through that earlier, so I don't need to rehash that. Uh, but I think there's enough teams that kind of need a quarterback and what, at least one will gamble on him. So let me work this through for everyone. So let's assume Joe Burrow is going to be a Bengal. He's going to go number one. He's going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. So let's go through the other landing spots. Miami have still got, you know, a quarterback issue. They could take him. They might not take could him do. with their first first mm-hmm. round pick, but they might take what him they later on. They've got three picks got in the three. first round. Yeah, so they could they could use him, you know, in the mid mm-hmm. or the late round. I, I, obviously, we don't know where those picks will end up, but one of them is going to be top five. Yeah, a couple a little bit later on. So you know, I think they're still there. I think they're still you know, a, a, a contender. Let's say the Tampa Bay Bucks. They're moving on from Jameis Winston. I watched that game against the Saints on Sunday, and he was appalling. And it's just time for Sam yeah. to go. 
Uh, you, you can say the same for Marcus Mariota and the Titans. Obviously, they came out in the same draft as two kind of can't miss picks, and they both missed. Mm. Uh, so obviously, Ryan Tanhill's not the answer there, um, even though he's been a stopgap this season. So there's four absolutely I, I, need a QB I, in my. Opinion. I really like that Titans one because they clearly have a guy who can play and execute the offense. Mm-hmm. In Tannehill. He's he's not the answer, you know. Obviously, um, we've seen enough of him to know that. But imagine one more year of Tannehill. Well, that's not the worst thing in the world, um, especially if you got you know you got two are just there. Um, yeah. I like that idea. I think that could be a good fit. So you could be really a placeholder, good. and then yeah, two can come in and make the Titans good. I guess. Mm. I mean that that's not the end of it either. I mean we've got four teams that definitely need a quarterback in my opinion right at the top of the draft. And, you know, they might straight back and then you know with Miami they can take him a bit later. Then there's other teams as well though in the contention. You know, there's the Saints, the Chargers, they've got kind of older starters now. Yeah, every year they're in the that, conversation. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's gotta happen at some point. I mean I'm a Chargers fan, Philip Rivers last night didn't look good. So, you know, it's time, I think. Um, you've got a couple of injury hit situations with the Colts, who've obviously lost Andrew Luck. Is Jacob mm-hmm. Brissett the long term? Don't know. Cam Newton apparently is out in Carolina. So there's another couple. And then there's also the situation that nobody wants, and that's, you know, lurking in the, the 31st or 30th pick is the Patriots. Two could go there. No one wants nobody that. Nobody wants that. Absolutely <laughs> nobody wants that. But, you know, we've, we've gone through, what, nine teams there? Um, and the important factor in all this is to remember that some will want to get him in the first round because you get that fifth-year option. And it kind of balances yeah. out that he's not going to play next year. Um, mm-hmm. so I think nine teams, someone's going to pull the trigger. Two are still goes round one. Probably not in top five because of the injury, but I think he'll still go round one. Don't know if that's a bold take, but that's what I'm rolling with. That's pretty bold. One in nine is a pretty, you know, to, to not take someone, to, to take a first-round pick at quarterback who's not going to be a factor year one. That's pretty bold. So, um, yeah, I think that's interesting. Definitely don't want it to be the Patriots. But <laughs> no one wants you it to could, be Patriots. <laughs> you could see it happening, though, couldn't you? you yeah, really yeah, could. definitely. I mean, they, they might look at this as an opportunity to, you know, get one, you know, the best quarterback in the draft, essentially, at the late 20s or the, the, even the 30s. And that's just mm. unheard of, you know. Mm. Every not by, year not by design, like... anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. But... Yeah, they've had a few first-round picks who have sat their first year anyway. Obviously, Isaiah Wynn. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think there have been others as well. So, you know, they're, they're not desperate for a guy right now. And, and you never know. That could be the case. And Tua is such a talented footballer. Mm. Um, I suppose the only risk is how bad is the injury is sure. be the question. And obviously, he'll, he'll get all the medicals in the combine. And we'll, we'll kind of hear that before draft night. Sort of he's upon us and... You know, I think we'll see. Well, then that'll give us a good indication. But I think he, someone will pull the trigger. I think, you know, we have just named nine teams. Someone could trade back up for him in the second round, you know, from the second round into late. So it's not even just limited to those nine teams. But I think, yeah, someone will do it, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Interesting. Cool, hit us with your second one. Okay, so my second one is linked to my first one. Okay. Um, my bold prediction, second bold prediction is that Oregon are going to dominate the Pac-12 championship against Utah. Okay. And they're going to be pushed up to be the new number three oh, wow. over unbeaten Clemson and Ohio State. So who's dropping out here? Clemson, I guess, for you. Yeah, Clemson. Oh, wow. Okay. Because, now, the reason I'm saying this, above all else, is because I think we're in a position where 
the ranking committee have shown that they are maybe not on board with Clemson. And there are some rumors that people uh, who are making these rankings are not happy with the schedules of some of these bigger teams. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can see um, that. Oregon, although they lost, they lost week one. And they lost week one to a team in Auburn who, let's be honest, they would probably beat right now. Um, yeah, on a neutral field as well in Dallas, yeah, which is a long way from Eugene. Totally different, totally different scenario. Um, if they played each other in a bowl game tomorrow, I think everyone would expect Oregon to be the big favourites there. Um, they are rolling. They're playing the best football they've played in a long time as a, as a, as a franchise, as a, as a college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Utah are going to be able to keep up with them. I think Utah are a very good side. Defensively, they're going to cause um, Herbert more problems than he's probably ever had as a as a as a as a as a starter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, That's quite a good thing, though, right? You know, yeah, for his sort of draft stock and stuff like that. Yeah, but I just love that scheme. I think that as a team, they're so well drilled. Um, they're so good at winning games. You know, they they kind of um, lost and threw it away a little bit in that Auburn game, but yeah. they've grown from strength to strength. There, they're doing some many different things on offense they're running the ball completely different um and i think if they win dominant a dominant win then even though they've got one loss it, it's, it feels like a million years ago and <laughs> um they would be in that scenario a stronger pick than a two loss georgia a um Ohio State side who had lost a who had won a really really close game to Michigan mm-hmm. and a Clemson side who have been part well largely unimpressive. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so yeah. I, I know it's bold. I know it's going to be difficult for anyone to kick out a team like Clemson, <laughs> who obviously are the current champions. Um, but they really they haven't beaten anyone ranked. They haven't beaten nope. a good team and the the I mean are they going to have a championship are they going to have a championship is there an AC championship game I can't remember actually but even if there is who are they going to play against no one good um, yeah who would it be like Virginia or something like that wouldn't well, it probably yeah <laughs> you know they're not going to they're not going to be beating any team who is in contention whereas mm-hmm. Utah are, have shown how good they can be um, so so yeah we'll, we'll see and obviously it's a little bit way off but um, I think that a couple of more dominant performances by Oregon, you know, a 30-point win over Utah would put them in that position. Yeah, I like it. No, obviously, I'm all for it. <laughs> and I think yeah. I think a lot of fans will be all for it as well because, as I said, I think I think people want to see a few more different names in there. I think that's maybe why people are kind of longing for the 18 playoff. And I think maybe it'll, it's a way for the committee to send a message out to these schools that they can't just, like, mosey through the season. You know, totally agree. Win... win all games against teams that they should be beating anyway and then expect a top fourth place. You know, top four, very selective process at the moment. You know, there's a very, very small amount of teams that obviously get through and you've got to earn it, I guess. And maybe yeah. like what you're saying, Oregon would have earned it in that scenario more than, you know, Clemson, like you said, just moseying through the ACC. Yeah, because it's one of them where obviously, you know, you, you don't want to not reward sides for winning games, but the risk that you play for having a weaker schedule is that you might get discounted when it comes to a ranking situation. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think it's as simple as that. It's like, it's not that you shouldn't do it. It's just that you take greater risk if you have a weaker schedule. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, 
so no, I think you're right. So, so yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, I'm going to stay in the in the Pac-12 for my uh, second prediction. Um, shock horror. Um, I think one team that's kind of moseyed along and done really well in the Pac-12 this season, kind of under the radar, is USC. You know, they've won seven games now. They've got UCLA on Saturday mm. for their final game. They'll probably win, in my opinion. They'll be eight and four, bowl eligible. I think they'll win a bowl game. And I'm going to go a little bit further, kind of cheat a little bit because I know this is bowl predictions for the rest of this season. But I think they're going to be a power in the Pac-12 next year. And I'll kind of explain mm. this. So obviously, they, obviously, just going into the, this season, just concentrating that for now, obviously they lost JT Daniels very early on in the season. Yep. Um, and obviously, I think they've shown great resilience to kind of come in. Kaelin Slovis has played very, very well. They've not been all there. Let's, let's, let's not get too far. They've beaten Utah. They've beaten Cal, mm-hmm. which is great. But then they've also lost to BYU and they got hammered by Oregon. So it's not gone, too, it's not gone perfectly. We've had people no. step up, you know, Michael Pittman. Obviously, these players won't be there because these players are going to lose to the NFL. But Michael Pittman stepped up. Austin Jackson, the tackle, stepped up. Keaton Slog has obviously stepped up and he's done great for a freshman. And this is what kind of gives me confidence to say that there'll be a power next year because there's going to be a lot of change in the Pac-12, especially at the quarterback position. You know, Oregon, going to lose Justin Herbert. Jake Luton from Oregon State is going. Gordon won't be at Washington State. Arizona are going to lose their quarterback. Costello's going from Stanford, maybe even Washington, Colorado, with uh, Montez and uh, Jake Beeson. There's going to be a lot of QB changes, which obviously is massive, like power shakeup in the in the conference. Whereas USC, you're going to have this kind of headache between bringing back JT Daniels on or having Slovis. <coughs> kind of makes me really confident that they're going to be, you know, a good team again. They've got some good young players, you know, Amon St. Brown and uh, Bonds at wide receiver. I think they're going to be good. I think they've shown flashes and I think they're going to be, uh, like I say, a power next year in the Pac-12 and, and right up there. I think they're making a bit of a comeback. I think that's a really interesting take. I think no one's really talking about USC at all at the moment. You know, they have been one of those teams who kind of very much under the radar in the last couple of years, even mm. when they had um, a very good quarterback in Sam Darnold. It was yeah. all, all happened a bit quick because he kind of only had one proper year, didn't he? And, yeah. You know, it's kind of a funny time for the for the team as a whole. But, I think I didn't really pick up on them until the Notre Dame game. Um, and obviously pushing that to, what, three points, whatever it was, the mm-hmm. loss. Um, I remember thinking, oh, I was quite interested by that. And it was, um, and then I went back and I had a look at Slovis and and he's a really talented guy. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly so. Uh, I don't know why he's not getting more buzz because I think he's had something like four or five back-to-back 400-yard games now. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, exactly. Um, He's flying. He, he can throw it around the park. They've got a pretty good O-line as well, mm-hmm. um, who are young. I think they're losing Austin Jackson this year, but uh, as far as I'm aware, they're bringing quite a lot of talent back. Yeah, the rest of, the, the rest um, of their, um, their interior, they're all sophomores. Uh, they've mm-hmm. got some young guys at corner. They've got some young guys on the defensive uh, front as well. So, so, I mean, I think they've got a lot of growth to happen in the next year or so. Yeah, really interesting. I think, you know, Pac-12, obviously, always very up and down. Um, but a very good sleeper there who could be good next year. And, and it's always exciting when you, USC are doing well. Because um, uh, they're a big, know, fun team, right? A, and everyone you know, wants them to do well. And maybe not me as a Chargers fan, because it'll take fans away. And they'll be supporting USC <laughs> instead. <laughs> but no, definitely. It's one of the sort of staples of college football. And it's good to see them up there. Yeah, and Slovis is fun to watch at the minute. So, mm. um, yeah, let's hope he keeps rolling because uh, right now he looks uh, he looks dynamite. Uh, yeah. Really fun college football player. 
maybe a bit of a quarterback controversy next year in the, in, in the LA. <laughs> it might not be a controversy, to be honest. I think um, we'll see, but uh, he looks really good. Mm. Uh, I think he's a more refined... Uh, well, I don't know. He's young. Is he a freshman, right? He's a freshman, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for a freshman, he looks, he looks really good. So I think um, JT Daniels is going to struggle. Yeah, and obviously it's someone who sees the opportunity. You know, we're here next man up in the NFL all the time, and it kind of shows that he's got that mentality to me. And so I mean, he's shown a lot of resilience. I think at them as a team have come back from that and had a really great season. So yeah, no one to watch, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next one for you. So my final one um, is your boldest one, obviously. I think it's my boldest one. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, but uh, obviously the biggest game in college football recently was the LSU-Bama game. And mm-hmm. I've been back and watched it now a couple of times because it's, um, it, you know, it was such a high-level football. So sure. many NFL players in that team in, across both sides. <clears throat> and one person that I didn't talk about at the time, no one um, has really talked about enough for me, is Christian Fulton. Um, mm-hmm. I already liked him quite a lot, but uh, my bold prediction is that he will be the number one cornerback taken above Jeffrey Okuda, who seems to be consensus number one. Sure. And I think he'll be a top five pick. Oh, wow. Okay. Because he, we just saw him play what might be the most talented uh, receiving core maybe ever in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama. And he was like glue over those receivers. Um, he came up against Jerry Judy twice uh, in man coverage where Judy was targeted, won both of them comfortably. The only pass he gave up all game, considering he played man coverage 95% of the snaps, mm-hmm. um, was a third down play to Henry Ruggs where Tua had seven seconds to throw the ball. And after about five seconds, I th- he got clearly a little bit sloppy and got looking for what was going on rather than mm-hmm. carry on his coverage. So it was a bit of a weird play. Um, it's a long time to have to cover, though, for any yeah. corner, though, isn't it? You well, know? Especially a guy who runs a 4-2, like Henry Ruggs <laughs> yeah. But Christian Fulton was all over those receivers, and he came off for a few plays. This is what really got me. He came off for a few plays in the fourth quarter, and um, the freshman came on. I can't remember his name. Um, Fossey or something. He, he's pretty, pretty he good. He gave up a touchdown, right? Back. That's what you're going to say. I, I, he didn't give up a touchdown, but he gave up. Um, the only two catches Devonta Smith caught on that on the right hand side of the field all day was when he was off the field, um, and and he completely shut down Devonta Smith. And now I'm not saying, you know, Stingley's obviously not <clears throat> the player he's going to be. Um, yeah, yet. of course. You know, he's not there yet. Um, but Smith showed that Stingley wasn't really up to scratch in terms of competing with him, mm. and Fulton dominated him. Fulton, he didn't get away from Fulton for a second. Ruggs didn't get away from him other than that one play. And even Jerry Judy, who might be the most refined route runner I've seen in years, Mm -hmm. didn't get away from him. Christian Fulton dominated the best opposition I've seen. And Jeffrey Okuda hasn't played a good receiver yet. Um, CJ Henderson, uh, Paulson Adebo. Mm -hmm. uh, There's there's plenty of good cornerbacks in this draft. And we're going to be talking about them a lot. Uh, it's an amazing cornerback of my receiver year. Mm. But Christian Fulton just played um, the best opposition you can play and was pretty much flawless. Um, uh, he adds on special teams as well. He's a, he's a, um, he covers the gunner um, on punt and does a really good job of that. 
I mean, I, I couldn't. It was it was almost like a, an accident me watching him. I didn't even realise. <laughs> I, I, I saw a couple of plays in a row where he broke up, and I thought I'm going to go watch him every play, and and it was fun to watch. He is. Um, dominant and even though people aren't really talking about him right now as kind of I think the best highest I've seen anyone put him is kind of top 15 maybe yeah, 12 sure. yeah, yeah. Like that. Um, but I think the Akuda um, noise is going to go down and I think he's good enough that he's going to be top 5 overall um, yeah well I think you know I think we can rewind to last draft season and it was kind of like you know there was a few issues coming up with Greedy Williams and then a lot of people were saying, well, he wasn't even the best corner at LSU last year. It was Christian Fulton. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh my God, yeah, Christian Fulton, you know, he's going to be great this season. And then he, you know, LSU's defense has not been as good maybe as people expected, which isn't mm. just on Christian Fulton. But then, you know, a lot of people have then gone on to Jeffrey Akuda and some people like you say, Paulson Adebo and other corners have got a little bit more buzz. So then it's kind of like flavor of the month that's kind of taken over when it comes to talking about corners. But then when you actually, you know, when all the scouts and all the GMs and people like that and all the people who do this on Twitter every day, they're going to sit down and they're going to watch that game because obviously it's, like you say, the highlight of the football season so far, especially. People are going to see what you've seen. And like you say, I think Christine Fulton's going to come back. So I've not watched the game for just Christine Fulton. Maybe I will now that you've mentioned it. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll try to see what you've seen. And, you know, like I say, I think the cream rises to the top eventually when it comes to these things. It's just in the season when people aren't going to be looking for these things yet, I would say. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think it's one sort of that'll be lying in wait for us in, you know, maybe a couple of months' time when everyone's looking towards mm-hmm. the draft and everyone's sitting down watching tape. So yeah, no, definitely I think that's a good shout, especially to kind of like pinpoint it for your know, future for when we come yeah. back to these conversations. I, I don't know what it is. Stingley and Delpit were just more interesting to me, like before this. Like I remember thinking mm-hmm. You know the last the the Auburn game, the, uh, you know a few of these games they've had now. I've been watching Stingley and Delpit live. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe I just was interested in Stingley because he's a freshman and Stingley's Delpit. been great for a freshman. He's been so advanced yes. for his yeah. age and for all the experience that he's yeah. got. Then he's kind of taken exactly. the maybe that's had a little impact on Christian Fulton's balls as well because mm. everyone's kind of looking at Stingley over the other side. And until you know, I think we both spoke about both those players that you mentioned, Stingley and Delpit, and they had a bit of a down game against Alabama. Yeah, they did. But but people, are, the thing is, people are throwing at Stingley and they're not yeah. throwing at Fulton. <laughs> says a lot <laughs> yeah that is that is the reality so he's been getting picks and he's been playing really well but it's because they're testing him because they're like well no point throwing it the other way because <laughs> he's got us locked down um and it's not a knock on the other cornerbacks to be honest at all because uh i really do think this is a great cornerback class yeah i do um i've been watching some jeff gladney film this week from tcu and i think mm. he's one of those guys who's just brilliant as well and i think there's probably going to be a seven or eight of them yeah i who think, I think so. could be, who could be you know starters in the nfl next year yeah no i definitely believe that um i think yeah everyone's got the same kind of group and then there's obviously going to be a few sleepers to add into that that kind of do surface as i've just said in the same kind of way i guess so yeah definitely looking forward to the episodes in future where we kind of go through all the the positions and kind of yeah preview those Mm -hmm. before the draft it was going to be a really fun episode when we do the corners yeah so uh, go on you got one more one more um we mentioned him before my third um prediction ball prediction is about jonathan taylor Obviously, he's an incredible player. We all know that. Uh, against Nebraska this weekend, he racked up his third 200-yard game of the year. He's got 17 touchdowns rushing, four receiving, 
I think he can get nine more. I think he can hit 30 for the year. And I think it's a big ask. It's a big number. But nine in how many games? In three. Two games. In three. Three games. Because he's got oh. the big squad in championship. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I'm he's saying, Ohio State, probably. Yes, exactly. So I'm going to kind wow. of go through that. And I think he's going to do it. So they've got Purdue, Minnesota, yep. which I think they'll win. And then mm. they'll have the Big Ten Championship against Ohio State. Obviously, they've got to Four. beat we, uh, they've got to beat Minnesota to get to that. So, got to all fall into place for this to happen. I but think they'll I was, do it though. I, I was looking at the numbers, yeah. and Purdue is the game where he can basically do it once because they don't defend the run very well at all. They give up 172 mm. yards a game on average, wow. and they're generally a pretty average defense anyway. Um, and this is where I think Jonathan Taylor can make big strides towards his 30. He scored. Four touchdowns in three games. Well, three games where he scored four touchdowns in that game, if you know what I mean. Oh, I um, see. And I think yeah. he can do that again against Purdue. I think, you know, Purdue don't have anything to play for. They've just got pride to play for. They maybe can just seen out the season. Jonathan Taylor could score four touchdowns in this game again. Kind of gets him halfway already. Gosh, yeah. Minnesota's I mean, going to be a tough I test. I can see it. I can see it, yeah. Minnesota's got, you know, going to be a tough test, but they still give up way over 100 yards rushing. Not as much as Purdue, but still. You know, and I think if they, you know, Wisconsin's offense is going through Jonathan Taylor, he could get two or three more in that game. So if he's got seven and he's playing mm. Ohio State, obviously it's tall order. That's what Ball takes here for. So, mm. I, you know, I think he could do that. I think he'd get 30. I think he'd get nine in the last three games. I think that'll mean that he's the first running back off the board in April. Wow. So that's Tell you what, that is interesting. Nine in three games. I mean, three teams he could definitely do it against. And maybe they even, you know, it could even be like the Ohio State in theory. Could be if, like garbage time as well even. If know. like Purdue really like capitulate, you know, and he gets maybe five or something ridiculous like that. You know, yeah. it's not, it wouldn't be unheard of. You know, he's been ridiculous nah. all year. He's been getting 200 yards game, 250 even, four oh. in some games. I think it could happen. And he's added that I mean, receiving to his game as well. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he could get a couple of those, yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I think, yeah, 30 all purpose touchdowns for Jonathan Taylor this season. Yeah, I think that would <laughs> cement him. I think that's a big number to put up. And I think that really cements him at the top of the running back rankings moving forward. Wow. Yeah, I think Minnesota are going to be the interesting one because I could definitely see him getting a bunch versus Purdue. I could definitely see him getting a couple against Ohio State, even if it's garbage time. Mm. But the Minnesota one, they're kind of like an all-or-nothing defense. You know, they take <laughs> the ball away, lots of fumbles, lots of interceptions. Mm. So that's the one where I think it almost hangs in the balance because uh, this could happen. Hell of a bold statement, though. You know, <laughs> nine touchdowns, three games. And first running back off the board. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, you... I, I think it could work, but bold. Yeah, I mean, we, I kind of say my best till last, I guess. So just before we came on, you mentioned that you had a fourth. Do you want to go through it? I don't know what it is, obviously, just for everyone listening, but do you want to go through it? Well, my fourth is not a... Um, it was more of a silly one, to be honest. It wasn't as okay. bold as some others. <laughs> um, but... Uh, this is a bit, a bit of a strange one. I've been doing some research into um, the best special teams and okay. teams in the country. And Samford... Um, not Stanford, who, Samford. No, yeah, not Stanford, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Samford um, are currently... Uh, Samford Bulldogs having, um, you know, not their best year, uh, but they're a good team and their special teams in particular is very good. Um, they are this year, um, they are currently, um, the punt returns 
opposing punt returns for the year are cumulative minus 11 yards currently. Oh, wow. Yeah, they've, they haven't given up a positive uh, – well, they haven't given up a, more than a two-yard punt return all year, and they've had a number of um, punt returns which have like lost yards to the opponent. And they're playing Auburn this weekend. Okay. So, so Samford are going to have a, a game versus Auburn where obviously you'd expect them to punt the ball a fair bit, you'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, my big final bold prediction is that Samford are going to finish the season with uh, minus punt return yards against them. Oh, cool. Um, like yeah, it. so a bit out there, a bit different. Yeah, um, definitely. This is their biggest punting challenge they've ever faced. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited for them. It would be a really weird stat to finish the season on. But, it really um, would, yeah. It's one of those things where um, you know, me as a coach, I'm looking at them going, that's the kind of thing I want to follow because uh, they haven't got the most talent in the world, but they're dominating that one phase of the game they can control. Um, so uh, good for them, and hopefully they finish the year um, on a on a on a negative. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice, I like it. Yeah. No, I like that one. That's a good one. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, obviously, I've not I've got anything to come back to that because I've never seen Samford play this year. I didn't have a clue about the stat, but yeah, no, I like it. Really like that one. Yeah. So there we have it. Uh, keep your eyes well and truly peeled for any of those, and see if they, all those predictions or any of those predictions come to fruition. Uh, obviously, if you've got any your own bold takes, get in touch with on Twitter. Uh, the Full 10 Yards CFB handle is exactly that, at Full 10 Yards CFB. Or you can hit us at either of our personal handles. Uh, Maxwell, do you want to go ahead with yours? Yeah, mine is uh, a winning smile uh, with underscores in between each word. Awesome. And, of course, mine is at Wakefield90. Um, obviously, if you're doing that, don't forget to give us a follow. Uh, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about us because we want to spread the love college football as far and wide as possible and just while we're here um, don't forget to give the rest of the full 10 yards family listen and read obviously lots of great articles and podcasts coming out of the team here at F10Y obviously doing all great stuff and just find a little bit of housekeeping obviously we keep reminding you that it's almost Christmas and some of you might be doing some uh, merchandise shopping we've got a couple of discount codes uh, first one is uh, for NFL Shop Europe uh, if you use the discount code full 10 at the checkout you get 10% off your order and the second one is for Fanatics. Um, so that's the code Fanatic Affil. And I'll spell that. It's obviously Fanatic, F-A-N-A-T-I-C, and Affil, A-F-F-I-L-5, number five. And that's when you get 5% off your Fanatics order. So if you've got some Christmas shopping to do, like I say, um, why not get a bit money off? So yeah. Yeah, I've just, yeah, love those codes. I'm uh, making the most of them. One of my, um, <laughs> just bought my cousin a... Uh, uh, Army Black Knights uh, T-shirt from Fanatics. That nice, is, um, good. Can't really get that in the UK. No, no, no. NFL Europe shop. But, um, yeah, it's cool. so what's great about these shops is that you, you know, it's stuff that you can't really get anywhere else. So you got to take advantage. And why not? Like I say, why not get some money off it while you can, exactly. especially when you come up for Christmas and lots of pounds are going out the door. I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right then, let's look forward to our last uh, segment of the podcast, where we look forward to our game of the week. College football's Game of the Week. Right then, Maxwell, uh, let's have your Game of the Week for this, the penultimate week of the regular season. Yeah, penultimate week. It has flown by. A um, couple of uh, interesting ones. Um, you know, not too many. Um, the penultimate week is always a bit um, of not the biggest games in terms of the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got Penn State, Ohio State, obviously, mm-hmm. um, which is... Um, 
potentially a big one, although I think I'm kind of expecting Ohio State to come through that clean. Um, I think the game that I'm most interested in is Temple versus Cincinnati. Okay. Now, it sounds like it's not the biggest, but Cincinnati are a ranked side. They're yes. currently 17th, but they had another win this weekend, so they might go even higher. Um, they've had a really, really good year uh, as a whole. They obviously beat um, UCF famously mm. um, in a big win. Um, and the only loss of the year was against Ohio State in a game where they were just outmatched. You know, they're not at that level, unfortunately. Um, but Temple are a fascinating side. Um, their coaching staff have just come across as their first year. Um, they were formerly the coaching staff at um, Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. um, NIU. And Northern Illinois have been a really overachieving side for years. And this year has been a little bit up and down for Temple. Um, but um, you can see that they're definitely on the right track. And um, I think they're going to be a really good team for future years. And Cincinnati are the same. This is two growing teams, coaching staffs who we might see at much bigger and better teams in the future. Um, so I'm looking forward to an excellent schematic game mm. between um, – a really um, two teams that run some really interesting schemes. Temple are like a four-two-five cover one defense, and Cincinnati are like a really interesting three-four zone blitzing team. Um, so, if anyone's interested in coaching and schemes, Temple Cincinnati is going to be a great game, and hopefully, I think we're going to see a Cincinnati win, which will take them to uh, ten and one on the year. So, mm. um, yeah, really good season in the American. So, yeah, oh, Temple's yeah. a Temple's a team that you've mentioned a few times now outside this year, isn't it? Yeah, Northern Illinois um, were my favourite uh, team for a few years um, because they always used to be um, in the top couple of um, top couple of uh, run defences in football every single year, even though they were like a barely unheard of side. Mm. Uh, Rod, Rod Kerry was the, was the head coach there for a number of years. And now he's moved across the temple and he's doing exactly the same thing. So um, Rod Carey, brilliant head coach. Um, he's done a good few years at Northern Illinois. Now he's moved up the rankings to Temple. So I just love what he does. And I can't wait to see him do more with Temple and probably one day move on to even bigger and better things. Mm, yeah, no, definitely. And obviously, if you want to sort of follow Maxwell's advice and want to watch that one, fire up your ESPN player from midnight. Um, that'll be on there for you to watch. A few more good games. Obviously, we mentioned uh, Penn State, Ohio State. Uh, you got Texas versus Baylor at Baylor, oh, yeah. seeing if they can yeah. sort of finish out the season strong. Um, obviously heading towards the Big 12 Championship against Oklahoma rematch. Obviously got the Georgia, Georgia Texas A&M game that you, well, sort of we mentioned earlier, should I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, battle for LA, UCLA and USC facing off. Um, oh, yeah. You mentioned earlier. And then a really interesting game. Um, I thought you may have mentioned this one actually as well. SMU versus Navy facing off. Surely that one will be worth tuning into as well if you've not got anything else on yeah I love both those teams obviously SMU I wrote about their offense a couple mm. of weeks ago um, you can find that on the website um, but I, I love a bit of Navy and what they're doing I thought they were going to shock yeah. Notre Dame last week but Notre Dame spanked them <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't think Ian Book could pass a ball but it turns out he um he, he, he had a pretty good game so <laughs> maybe I was yeah. maybe I was wrong there <laughs> Never mind. I'm sure we've uh, we've racked up a few uh, few wrong things that we said out this yeah. season. Uh, anyway, that's awesome. Yeah, tune into all those games. I'm sure there'll be a couple more games that you'll tune into as well. That'll be really good. Um, that just about does it. So yeah, thanks for listening. We'll say our goodbyes. So yeah, goodbye from Maxwell. 
Yeah, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. So yeah, we'll see you on the other side, people. Thanks for listening again. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.